0: Continuing through the book of 1 Peter, we have discovered again and again the importance to Peter, and through the Holy Spirit, we know that this is important to God as well, that the people of God have a deep identification with God. In fact, the core of our identity is transformed into one that is, uh, our core identity is that we are God's people. Uh, We are made new. I'm going to uh, read a passage that I've referred to a few times in this series thus far, Uh, this passage from John chapter 3, where Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus and says, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, and the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. And the point that Jesus is making to Nicodemus is that we As humans, fallen humans, are not able to experience connection with God. We are not able to experience the kingdom of God in our humanity, but we must be reborn. A new life must enter into us, and that life is made possible through what Jesus Christ has done. And that that new life should characterize us, and it um, it should identify us to the world as people who know Jesus Christ, people who therefore are different from the world. The first thing we see here in this passage is that um, we are different in that we are willing to suffer for the kingdom of God. Now, many people are willing to suffer for various things. If if you are an uh, Olympic athlete and you're training and training and training for the Olympics, you are willing to sacrifice and suffer in order to make the goal happen, that you arrive at the Olympics and compete in the Olympics, and you hope that you win. Those who are, uh, let's say, looking for an advanced degree would be willing to struggle and suffer and have sleepless nights in order to do the study necessary to achieve this advanced degree. There are many things in life uh, for which we are willing to struggle and suffer. Parents struggle and suffer to raise their children well. And what, Peter is saying here in verse 1, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. They do not live their earthly lives then for human desires. And what um, Peter is telling us by the counsel and, and direction of the Holy Spirit is that we as believers have a whole new life. And that life is the identifying feature of us. In other words, to become a Christian is not to add a belief system onto your current life. It's not to add a faith declaration onto your life. Becoming a Christian is a total reorientation of your life because there is a new life that has entered into you and that life directs and characterizes you so that you are willing to do whatever it takes to live into that life more and more. The problem is, according to Peter here and we've seen it in in the world around us, is that people don't understand this. Many people will mock Christians for not being having more fun or whatever it might be, or even for our beliefs. And because they do not understand. And it makes sense that they don't understand if they have not had this new life enter into them, if they have do not have the Holy Spirit guiding them, then they will not understand what it means to be reborn by the holy spirit by the work of jesus christ now those of us who are reborn those of us who have this new life will live lives that are different from those around us those who do not have this relationship with god will naturally live out of their fallen humanity and find their hope and purpose and goals and dreams in different places than the kingdom of God. And uh, Peter lists it this way. He says, don't live like this because you are no longer living in that identity, but in your new identity in your new life in Christ. The old identity, the old life, lives in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. Now, you might say, well, I, I haven't gone that far. But I think the the most important in that phrase, as as, uh, much as the other ones create pictures in our minds, the one that's most important is the last. It's the only one with an adjective attached to it, and that is idolatry. Peter says, do not live as those who live in detestable idolatry. And I don't think he's saying that there's decent idolatry and gross idolatry. But idolatry in and of itself is detestable because idolatry is putting something in the place that only God deserves to inhabit in our lives. So anything that we put before God is an idol, and to God that is detestable, number one, because it robs God of God's glory, and number two, because it robs us of the life that we are created to have in relationship with God. Jesus said, I came that they might have life and might have it abundantly. If we are choosing to worship the things of this world instead of worshiping God, we will will cut ourselves off from the level of abundance, the the life of satisfaction that God wants us to have when we live into this new life that Christ makes available to us. The world naturally will go toward these things, Uh, Status, sex, stuff, self. They will be overcome by the desire to hear the latest gossip, the obsess over various certain things and possessions and whatever it might be, uh, the pleasures of life, because the deepest pleasure of knowing God, of knowing that God's promises are true, is not available to them. So they won't understand us and they might mock us, but don't let that get to you. I mean, it might legitimately make you hurt for them that they are missing out on what we have, but don't let the world tell you that you're missing out on the pleasures that uh, you are denying yourself because of your walk with God, because those pleasures more often than not promise freedom, but provide entrapment They promise, but they do not deliver. But a relationship with God, the new life that we have in Christ, promises and delivers more gloriously than we can ask or even imagine. Now, we're looking now at verse seven. The end of all things is near. Now I saw a cartoon recently with one of those, you know, old-school sandwich boards with a sign on the front and a sign on the back and uh, straps to connect, and the person walking along with that. Of course, that phrase on there: "The end is near." And a person watching from the sideline said to the friend that they're with, oh, "Do you remember when we thought that person was crazy?" And of course, the joke is that things are pretty ridiculous in our world today. They're, we're experiencing things we're not used to experiencing th- and it's frightening. We have a disease that is claiming lives and changing the rest of our lives dramatically. We have killer wasps, murder wasps that are coming into our country and threatening us. We're already killing uh, spotted lantern flies on our deck. We have Riots in the streets, and the, during the last few days, some storms have swept through that have knocked out electricity for some for days. And the storms, while we were experiencing them, were violent and frightening. The end is near. Whew! It sort of seems like it is. But what Peter's saying here is not that, because he said it two thousand years ago, and uh, of course near is not really accurate for 2000 years later but what he's saying the end is near he's saying that the the change will come and in the grand scheme of eternity the change is near and that change is from this earthly existence to kingdom of god and those who are in jesus christ will make that transition and those who are wise who are in jesus christ will make that transition relatively easily because they will be have have been nurturing that new life within themselves and doing whatever it takes to become more and more ready for the kingdom of god to be revealed in its fullness and but those who do not know Who have not experienced this new life will stand before God and be judged according to the Spirit in other words do they have that new life are they born of the Spirit and God will determine if they are born of the Spirit that they are part of his kingdom and if they are not they are not part of his kingdom So we orient our lives around our new life. And we orient our relationships, our hearts, around our relationship with God, which is part of that new life. We see here in verse eight, above all, oh sorry, in verse seven, be alert and of sober mind that you may pray. And this one got me this week. I probably, confession time, spend too much time on Facebook. And I hope against hope that Facebook interactions do not characterize normal interactions between people. Because on Facebook and in comment sections on news articles, what we find is vitriol, hatred, uh, judgment, nastiness. And the world feels like it's coming apart at the seams Uh, and it doesn't take much this past week to look at the world and become very grieved, deeply grieved at what's happening in our world. And I got myself wrapped up in that. What was the mistake I made? I'm certainly not saying that those things are not grievous, that we should not have compassion and concern for what's going on in our world. But what does Peter say here? Be alert and of sober mind that you may pray. Have your mind set on the truth that God is ultimately in control. Have your mind set on the truth that God loves you that God is with you and that God ultimately will be victorious over all of these things that threaten us today. And pray, don't fret, pray, don't fight, but pray. Because God is good and God will settle your heart God will settle your spirit around his goodness and his grace, even in the midst of trial and tribulation. Don't let yourself get caught up in the anger, in the frustrations. Listen to these words from James chapter 1, verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So brothers and sisters in Christ, make sure that you are characterized by your new life in Jesus Christ and in this new life you are not characterized by human anger which does not accomplish God's purposes. by anxiety which does not trust in God's plans and God's purposes listen listen to each other listen to the voice of God and know that deep settled peace that comes from trusting in God and then in verse eight above all love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. I have people in my life with whom I disagree on issues that are really important to me. Some of those people are brothers and sisters in Christ. And if I allow the disagreement to characterize our relationship, then I will not be demonstrating the love of God that is poured into me and poured into them. I will be betraying the new life that God has within me. So I encourage me, I encourage you, love. Love first. Love covers a multitude of sins. Uh, Maybe I'm wrong, but love covers it. And my friend can love me even if I'm wrong. Maybe my friend is wrong, which I think is more likely. But their love for me covers what's wrong in me my love for them covers what's wrong in them and the love of God covers so much of what is wrong in us we are made clean in Jesus Christ not that we become perfect except in the eyes of God God sees us as forgiven, God sees us as righteous because of what Jesus Christ has done. That does not mean that everything we do then is right and good, not everything we think is not right and good, but we are seen as right and good and live in that confidence. Living in that confidence should let you demonstrate grace, love, and mercy to others, even those with whom you disagree. And there's an extension of that in the next verse. Verse nine, offer hospitality to each other without grumbling. If you've ever hosted a party, uh, you know that grumbling often accompanies that as you're preparing everything, especially if you're preparing with someone else and they're not doing what you hope or that you're not doing what they hope and there's disagreement about what plates to use or whatever it might be. A hospitality can carry with it a sense of grumbling because we want to present our best selves. But that I, that's not really the hospitality that Peter's speaking of here. Remember, the early church did not have church buildings and what they would do is fellowship in each other's homes. And so you'd have this crowd of people, people that you didn't choose, come into your home. Some of them did not smell as good as you'd hope. Some of them talked too much. Some of them had different ideas than you did. But Peter says, practice hospitality without grumbling. In other words, welcome, 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 welcome people with whom you disagree and don't complain about it because love, because love above all love And we, as the people of God, are called to demonstrate a quality of love that is beyond what other people can experience because the love of God is so huge and poured within us that it should change us. And we are made new. We have new selves. We are new creations. We are born new new life and that life is a life of love let us make sure that we demonstrate that love that God has so richly poured out on us that we demonstrate that to others finally I want to look at verses 10 and 11 if or 11 and 12 if anyone speaks they should do who Do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be pleased through Jesus Christ. That was just verse 11. If you speak, speak the words of God. If you serve, serve with the power of God equipped by the power of God. And i reminded of uh, a, a quote I used a couple weeks ago from Chuck Colson. In every conversation, think of God being a partner in that conversation, a participant in that conversation. Think of God standing next to you, and would you say what you are saying if you were aware of God's presence, because God is indeed present. In every way, in every interaction, in every service you uh, do for someone else, remember God is with you you are representing God and God is equipping you so we close with how are how well are we witnessing to the new life that we have been given in Jesus Christ how well are we living within that new life that we have been given in Jesus Christ We'll soon come to the table of communion and I I, I hope that you will be equipped at the table and in your own, Uh, walk with God, to live as one who is made new, to live in the new life that we have in Jesus Christ.